Got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all the knowledge you need to travel in style. Brought to you in nine minutes or less. Now, please welcome the host of Zorkcast, Michael Mason Traeger. Hello, this is Michael, and welcome back to ZorkCast. Today, we have Michelle of Turning Left for Less on the show. Michelle and I also curate and admin the only British Airways Executive Club Gold, what I call Gold Plus Plus One World Emerald group on Facebook. So, Michelle, welcome to ZorkCast. Thanks, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, just getting over some jet lag from Hong Kong, but I'm, I think I'm about there now after sleeping till 10 o'clock this morning. Yes, I, I love, I love following your travels. Ooh, sleeping till 10 o'clock in the morning. That sounds rather, rather posh and luxurious to me. <laughs> uh, uh, well, let's start with Turning Left for Less, your absolutely amazing blog. Tell us a little bit about it or give us the little, a little bit of a story about like what inspired Turning Left for Less and, and what people can expect to find there. Okay. So a few years ago, I used to be in air traffic control and my hobby was traveling. I spent pretty much every hour that I wasn't at work getting on a plane to go somewhere. A lot of my friends were into traveling as well. And I kind of felt that there was something missing in the blogging area, but I didn't really have the time to do anything about it. And then unfortunately, I had to have a kidney transplant, which I was very lucky my best friend gave me a kidney. And at this point, I was able to retire from my job very early and pretty much I could do whatever I wanted. So that's when I started to think about actually doing the blog as a, a full-time job. And I looked around and there was quite a gap, I thought, in the market. There were a lot of points and miles blogs and there were luxury travel blogs, but there was nothing really that combined the two and told you how to have these wonderful trips on the cheap. There were lots of ones based more on, you know, how to travel in cheap economy and more budget, but nothing on how to, to just save money on luxury travel. And that's what I like to do. I always gave friends advice on how to save money. So I thought, well, why not give it a go? And I didn't actually know if it would be successful, but I thought, well, I have nothing to lose. I'll just try it and, and see how it goes. Fantastic. And obviously, this is one, or maybe not so obviously, this is one of the areas that I really love, you know, talking about luxury travel, but also talking about how you can really get these amazing luxury travel experiences for not that much more than what people would pay that are not in the know for non-luxury experiences. Now, one of my my questions for you would be, were you always very aligned with travel loyalty and miles and points programs when you were researching or dealing with luxury travel? Like, did it come first, the miles and points first, or more so this amazing desire to stay at great posh resorts for a fraction of the price? Like, Or did it all sort of come together at the same time? I mean, I've always had a taste for the finer things in life, I won't lie, but I couldn't really afford it when I was younger. And I think it kind of started with the old British Midland Diamond Club. 
when they brought out a really great credit card product and everyone that I worked with started to get this credit card and look at all the amazing things you could do with the points. And that's really kind of what kicked off the the luxury traveling and the understanding that, you know, points and miles can make a huge difference for just a small amount of effort. You can, you know, get things free or much, much cheaper. So it was a really interesting time with the, the Diamond Club and, and such a shame that it went because it was an amazing deal you used to get. I can't remember how many points, uh, how many miles per pound you spent, but it was a lot on this card. And you used to be able to get half miles, half cash, which meant for a first class return, you'd pay about 800 pounds. And I guess it was probably about 60,000, 70,000 miles, I guess. So, you know, I flew all over the world in, in first class and absolutely loved it. It was amazing. Well, that is fantastic. And I love, I love following your stuff. I love following your posh. I actually, I don't, I probably have never told you this, but I'm always like, Michelle definitely puts the capital P in posh. And I often, when I'm speaking about you, I, I always say, you know, I'm a non-vintage champagne boy. Except for when I'm with Michelle, I wind up in circumstances <laughs> where we purchase vintage champagne. So you have been, I don't know if it's a good or a bad influence on me. <laughs> but for sure, you've you've actually you're the only person ever that's that's caused me to break my non-vintage champagne <laughs> uh, purchase <laughs> rule. I just wanted to make sure you knew that. <laughs> I do know how it's awful for you, Michael, being forced to drink vintage champagne. It, it is, but you know, like I often say, the struggle is real. But <laughs> now, how about how about BA and Avios and travel loyalty. What are your thoughts right now? I mean, of course, this is a huge week for for BA with the announcements of the new club suite yesterday. How are you feeling about BA and Avios? How have you felt? Have you evolved with regard to your feelings? I'm sort of curious about that. I think British Airways has, has been going through a very interesting time both in terms of the business and first class products and Avios as well. It used to be that Avios was kind of the the king of everybody's currency of miles and everybody was trying to find out ways to to get them. I remember the old Tesco club card deals where people used to go and buy a, you know, a trolley load of bananas to get the club card points because there was some amazing deal. But that all changed a few years ago. And I think with the, the taxes now on the business and first class redemptions, people are less bothered by it because with a lot of the ex-EU fares, you can actually get something for not much more and then earn the miles and the tier points. So why bother collecting Avios? I still do. And people are still interested. But I think the 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 golden days of it are kind of over. And with the new products coming out for business and there'll be a new first class product as well, it will be very interesting to see if they start limiting redemptions now they've got a better product. Yeah, that, it will, will be interesting. What I often, when I talk about travel loyalty, I almost always say that every program has its advantages and disadvantages, which seems like a rather logical thing. And, you know, with, with Avios, I think one of the things with regard to the education journey is you can't fight the system. You know, the fares that have the very high YQ or taxes and fees like transatlantic fares to London, it just doesn't make sense in most most times to use and redeem Avios for them. But I still feel there are a phenomenal number of good sweet spots with regard to Avios. And I also think, you know, the the British Airways 
you know, elite program, especially with, you know, British Airways gold and above, is still a very compelling way to get One World Emerald. And for those that travel, they don't even have to travel a real lot. I mean, I, I think the benefits of One World Emerald and the relative ease with the British Airways program are is really a, a winner, even for even for people who are based in the United States. And I sort of feel you probably feel the same way. Maybe we shouldn't let the secret out. <laughs> well, I yeah, I, I do agree. It does give you some interesting perks at the gold level, particularly. I mean, I travel a lot. And for me, part of maintaining my gold status is things like the first swing at Heathrow, where you literally walk straight through a private area, private security and straight into the lounge. I mean, that you can be from the, the curb into the lounge with your glass of champagne in, you know, five, six minutes, which is pretty amazing. And the other thing, certainly for the US people listening is, of course, being able to access the lounge even on a domestic flight, which the irony is, as an American uh, airlines elite, you can't. But as a British Airways gold card holder, you can access the first class lounge now, the flagship lounge, even on a domestic, which is a really good perk for me because I do fly domestically quite a bit in the States. Yeah. And even and, you know, there are even good perks for BA Silver, which is One World Sapphire, which is a pretty low status level. But the, you've got decent perks there also within the United States, I, which that actually sometimes surprises me even more so. Yeah, d definitely. And I mean, silver's quite easy to get, maybe not quite so much from the States, but certainly in the, in the UK, something like Qatar that that you have to transit via Doha. You know, you can do one trip to the Far East from the UK in business class on a super cheap, you know, thousand pound fare out of Scandinavia. And, and you're almost at silver just on that one trip, adding your four sectors on BA. And, you know, you've got silver in a couple of trips. And I, and I know a blog that actually talks quite a bit about this, which if our audience doesn't know at Zorcast is called tier point run or optimizing your tier points. And that is definitely something that Michelle covers amazingly on her blog. And I, I really encourage people to, to check that out because it's, it's really good. It's really good stuff. So back to luxury travel. Actually, I had one question before we get back to luxury travel buying points. I, I recently just got a offer from IHG for the 100% bonus, which is the only time I tend to only look at buying points when there's a 100% bonus. What are your thoughts about buying points? Because I think for a lot of people, especially people who don't have a lot of what we call road warrior travel, and also don't have necessarily a ton of credit card spend where they can earn points. I think that buying points can be rather interesting if you're smart about it. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of the bloggers go very much into this, how much is a mile or a point worth, which I don't do at all, because it all depends on what you're spending it on. You can have a rough valuation, but I don't like to be guided by that. I think everybody has their own use for it. And who am I to tell them how to spend their miles or points? You know, I can advise them. But if you know, you've got 2 million miles, then if you want to spend it on something silly, then why not? In terms of buying points and miles, I think the, the best thing for me is to have something in mind. So quite often, like you say about the IHG 
100% bonus, things like that. If you think I want to do a really nice intercontinental somewhere and you look at the, the price of how much the rim is and then work out about buying the points, you know, a lot of the time it's much cheaper to do that. So if you've got something specific in mind, I think it's really worth it. Whether it's worth it to buy it speculatively, I'm, I'm not so sure because I think you could end up possibly losing money or just about breaking even. But if you know you're going to stay in high-end properties that are really expensive, then for me, it's, it's well worth it. And similar with British Airways, normally when they do their 50% bonus, I'll run through a few fares, how much it would cost to buy the fare and how much it would cost to buy the, the miles. And quite often there is quite a substantial saving of several hundred pounds. And plus then it means you can fly out of the UK without having to, to fly somewhere else to get the fare cheaper. So it's always worth doing that comparison before you just rule it out because it's not, you know, one people or Avios or whatever people value it at. No, really, really good stuff. And as an aside, and I believe it's still going on, IHG has that quirky thing where you buy points, they actually count towards status. So you can, if you don't have status, I believe with IHG, even though the status is not necessarily so valuable, I think you can get to a high status level rather quickly as an extra perk with regard to buying the points. Yes, and that's another thing to take into account. Little quirks in the in the system like that is can it help you uh, achieve something else? And but again, for me, that would be looking at. So would I actually use that status? Because so many people go after status without actually really thinking through. Would would I actually go for the breakfast if it's free? Or you know, do I care about a room upgrade? Whilst they're nice, is it actually worth the extra money? So for me, it's always about thinking about how you're going to use it personally and, and what it's worth to you. Yes, and that's and that's very smart and something I always encourage people. Well, we don't have very much time, but I want to pivot to one of my favorite cities in the world, and I think a city that you happen to also enjoy called Las Vegas. So what are your thoughts about Las Vegas? What are your tips about Las Vegas? You know, inspire us a little bit with what you've you know, your your journey. I mean, you've been I I mean, you go to Las Vegas more often than I do. I shouldn't admit that, but it's absolutely <laughs> true. So, yep. you know, just tell us a little bit about how do you like to get to Las Vegas? Where do you like to stay? What do you like about the city? So funnily enough, Michael, I'm actually off there on um Friday via Phoenix for a few days. So on my usual annual trip, though sometimes I go twice a year. I like I normally fly on redemptions to Los Angeles generally, because I tend to fly British Airways and the plane that they use on the London Las Vegas route is an old 747 that's desperately in need of being refurbished. So I tend to go via Los Angeles and then fly on American and I get a few extra tier points for doing that. So at this time I am doing a, a redemption via Phoenix and then back from Los Angeles. So that's, that's how I normally get there. In terms of staying, I like to try and stay somewhere different every time though I will normally return to one of my favourites. I'm quite unusual. I hotel hop, sometimes three hotels. I think the record's four in a week because I like to go and experience the hotel facilities without having to, you know, keep walking around. And, and for me, that's part of the experience. I think in, in terms of my favourites, I generally uh, always stay at the Four Seasons. For me, it's I do Vegas slightly differently. I don't like to be totally immersed in the whole craziness that is Vegas. I like to dip in and out. And for me, the Four Seasons, you can walk through to the Mandalay Bay. There's a special door and have that Vegas experience and then come back to the serenity of the Four Seasons and the amazing pool and the service there. And it's it's just a lovely, calm place that you can just chill out and then go go back and do Vegas. The other one which I'm trying this time since it changed over is the Waldorf Astoria, which 
used, used to be the Mandarin Oriental. So it'd be really interesting to see how it's changed. For me, the, the good thing about that is, that, again, it's very similar in that you get away from Vegas style hotels. It's quite small, but it's right in the center of the strip. You can walk to so many hotels from there in just a couple of minutes. So the location is perfect opposite the Cosmopolitan, next to the Aria. It's yeah, really good location for me. So that's another favorite. I think in terms of tips for Vegas, one of the things that people don't think about is they just pick random dates. But Vegas hotels vary ridiculously from, you know, you can pay for the four seasons, you can get it for like 130, 140 pounds a night, or you can pay, you know, 400 pounds a night the next day. Because as you know, it's full of conventions a lot of the time. They can have 100,000 people descending on Vegas for three nights and the prices just go crazy. So I actually look at, there's various websites you can look at that list all the conventions and I try not to pick dates where there's something going on in Vegas. So that's my top tip because not only will you save money on hotels, you won't be somewhere where it's absolutely crazy, busy, and you've got a queue for everything. And I think research is always my my tip for anything. You know, look through all the different websites, like you can get show tickets cheaper online quite often, or there's, there's on the strip, there's places you can get them hard off price do your research before you go and you can save a lot of money no no that's that's fabulous and you bring up a great point about the four seasons i am a huge fan of four seasons four seasons philosophy their properties in general but usually for the vast majority of people you cannot touch a four seasons for a reasonable price i mean especially like in london or paris <laughs> or, yeah. or even new york i mean the four yeah. seasons in new york i think easily exceed six to seven hundred dollars a night on a consistent basis. So Vegas gives you an opportunity to try some of these hotels like Four Seasons, which are of the caliber of the Four Seasons properties and other places in the world for a fraction of the price. And of course, when you add in other benefits of people book through FHR or Virtuoso, it's an absolute steal. So I love that suggestion. And I've, I've mentioned that to people before. Well, we are out of time. This has been a lovely conversation. Thank you so much again, Michelle, for joining us. Now, I want our readers to know where to get in touch with you. So what is, what's the best way to find you, reach out to you, you know, talk to you about, you know, all of these things that we've been discussing? So the website is www.turningleftforless.com. So you can reach me through there. There's contact us. And we're on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram, all under Turning Left for Less. So yeah, have a look for us and give me a shout if you've got a question. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining me today, Michelle. Thanks, Michael. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at TravelZork and Facebook.com slash TravelZork. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, good luck.